0: hi everybody welcome back to the show this week um i have my new guest here robert wolf robert thank you so much for joining us today thank you for having me i much
1: appreciate it doc
0: yeah absolutely um We are going to get into talking about some really good topics. Um, You do have a new book out that we'll talk a little bit about, um, Not a Real Enemy. Um, And then we're going to talk a little bit more about you, um, how reading the book and sharing the stories could help. Uh, uh, Cultivate Racism and um, Anti-Semitism and kind of really help us with that because that's a lot going on right now. Um, I know you talked about you want the book to be taught in different schools or maybe lessons. um, So kind of get your input on that. And you brought up a really good topic about the Hungarian Revolution back in 1956, um, which has been compared to the current conflict in Ukraine. So I'd love to pick your brain on that. And then we'll just kind of wrap up with um, any of the topics or projects you might be having going on. But overall, how have you been so far,
1: Robert? I'm well for not bad for 61. I mean, I, I can't complain. Uh, you nice. know, I, I'm still active. I, I'm still working on this book uh, fervently, uh, yeah. many hours a day. I, I try to get exercise when I can: golf, pickleball, uh, weight room. I've been gym rat for many, many years—probably okay. about 40 years. Played all the sports in high school, college, pickup games, on and on. So. I, I feel fortunate. Um, I wish my parents were still around. They're not. We can talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit, too. Uh, only yeah. child of only children. Um, I, if you want me to introduce myself, I'm from Detroit, actually born and raised in Detroit. My parents were from Hungary, as you know. Uh, yep. The book is about my dad, but it also includes my mom, mostly the second half of the book, uh, how, they, uh, how they met and my dad's final escape. And my mom's uh, really her only... Well, my mom actually escaped, too, but we, she doesn't have a lot of documentation about it in the past. Wow. But uh, she has some genealogy research she's done, but it's... Uh, some of it's hard to read for me because I try to uh, uh, sort through it but anyway I'm from yeah. Detroit parents were uh, they they escaped from after the Hungarian Revolution of 56 came to the United States learned the language my dad had to redo his residency as an OBGYN at the esteemed Beth Israel in Boston a Harvard mm. affiliate uh, which I think is amazing because I couldn't get into the, uh, any program at uh, probably any Harvard affiliated hospital I mean, I'm a <laughs> smart guy but you're talking about top top tier top level people right Hopkins, you know Yale Harvard Um, I did end up at Yale for a year so uh, in order. So high school in a suburban town of Detroit Mm -hmm. called Mount Clemens. And then I I was fortunate enough to go to Tufts University for college and then uh, University of Michigan for medical school, Um, a radiologist. So, uh, and yeah, I mean, you talk about that's eight years of sweat. And I I, I breeze through that every time we do these interviews and it's just sweat. It's not... Did an internship year at Boston University, Framingham Union Hospital, uh, Mm -hmm. famous for the Framingham Heart Studies. It's now called Metro West. Beautiful area. And then I've lived half my life in New England, half my life in Michigan. Mm -hmm. I ended up doing my radiology residency at Brown in Rhode Island and then a neuroradiology fellowship at Yale New Haven Hospital. So. Very fortunate uh, that now I'm about thirty at this point, and uh, indentured servantry is uh, still amongst us. And finally mm-hmm. got a real job, and I've been in the uh, the radiology business for about thirty five years, and still practicing wow. very part time. That's amazing. Um, the radiology actually brought me to the book. Uh, if you want me to talk to you about the history of the book, or unless you have another question, so so flash back to the seventies. Mm-hmm. My mom and dad finally, uh, so my mom and dad moved to Michigan because that's where the jobs were. Uh, there were no jobs in Massachusetts at the time. We're talking about the early 60s. Came to Detroit for, for a better job and then an even better job a few years later where I grew up uh, through 12th grade. But my dad became an OBGYN and mm-hmm. he delivered 10,000 babies in his short career, about a 24-year career. Wow. Uh, that's that's uh, That doesn't include what he did in Budapest and, and Boston, but I'm sure it was a few more thousand. But that's, that's you know, for the best of our records. That's what we know of. Uh, okay. but 10,000 babies. So that's redemption. That's the punchline. And all of this is that he brought all these lives back into the world. And I'm still getting feedback on that when I do book talks and posts on social media. And it's a wonderful feeling. It's not just about my dad's miraculous life. Right. how It was and how he got through it without the PTSD and how he did what he did. And my mom, same thing. Uh, so anyway, back to the 70s. So I'm just a kid and they, my da- mom and dad documented uh, his history dating back to his parents, uh, World War One. It covers. Uh, it's a history book too. My book uh, covers World War One, Hungary, all the way to the end of the Hungarian Revolution, like you said, in 1956. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my dad's biography, and uh, it was written as an autobiography. My mom and dad worked on it in the 70s, and it was literally uh, paper and pencil to a typewriter to a to a computer. Uh, to a I write,
0: well, I haven't seen those in years.
1: But I know I, the last time I used one was probably in college. Uh, the old Olivetti, the old <laughs> Olivetti typewriters, and. Well, you know, I took typing in high school and it, it helped. And I took piano lessons in high school, too, and both helped at least the computer work, you know, our phones and our computers, because it's all typing now. You know, and it's very little writing, of course. As you right. Know. That's but, amazing. Um, yeah. So a typewriter. Yeah. I mean, and then to computer and then to a disc. And then my dad passed in 1997, unfortunately. My mom mm-hmm. passed in 2016, unfortunately. And then a friend of mine, a historian friend from my mom's hometown, Kim Parr, super mm-hmm. nice lady, super intelligent, still friends. Uh, she hands me the disc and says, "You know, you've got to look at this sometime." I didn't think much of it at the time. I had to take care of my mom's affairs for a year, and then I decided to retire for a year, do a little traveling. But mm-hmm. a friend of mine in Michigan said, uh, "You know, I need some help. I'm short, and can you help me with some X-rays and ultrasounds?" So I went back to work after one year of retirement. Uh, but I've been part time since 43, so I've been part time or retired for 18 years, which I'm—that's good money management. And I, I don't have kids, and I didn't have to send kids to college, and there's different things. But saving and investing and all wow. uh, that fortunate to me, I mean, to be able to, to have choices, I suppose. Um, so she hands me the disc. So now it's 2018, I'm back to work. And that brought me to the book. Uh, the, I loaded the disc up uh, as a radiologist. Uh, on the left side, we have our queue, we have our, our list of patients, and on the right side, we've got the images. So mm-hmm. what I did with my dad's autobiography is on the left side it was his auto, and on the right side was my uh, version, my biography. So it, literally, word for word, or as much as possible with translation issues and, and things like that and research, I converted his autobiography into a, a plain biography, just uh, point A to B to C dad was born on, dad did this, dad did that. So it wasn't right. really an exciting biography, but uh, so I queried and I had some help with some agents and publishers and, and uh, didn't really get any bites. And so I, I had the book beta read, beta read by some uh, professional authors and mm-hmm. one was uh, Lisa Tenner, another a super nice lady. She's helped me a lot with this book. Uh, book coach. Uh, I highly recommend her if you need advice uh, with the books. And I also recommend Janice Harper, who was my co-author. Lisa hooked me up with Janice Harper, professional writer. She's a PhD, uh, also has a Michigan connection from Michigan state, which is really cool. Uh, Anthropologist, uh, but she also teaches how to write and she's a book coach and she does, uh, she does um, co-authors co-author work. So she did the book with me and redid it. That took her a little over a year. She did her research. She did her homework, the history, Talked to historians. Uh, she looked up the details of Hungarian culture and music and food. It's unbelievable what she did. Helped me with my proposal package. She made the book something special. So instead of just a biography, she turned it into a real story. Uh, you know, and it's true. The, the stories are true, but she had to buff it. You know, buff it up, buff it up a little bit, like conversations and letters cool. from, from home, mm-hmm. converging stories, parallel stories, that kind of thing. A remarkable job she did with the book. I had the story, and she had the talent to help me. Uh, gel it into an amazing book, uh, The Not a Real Enemy. Um, so now, so the, uh, now this is 2019, I'd say, 2020, maybe it's 2021 already. Oh, my God, the time just flew by. So we, so she helped me with my proposal package, and she helped me vet out who we're going to pitch, not pitch, but query is the, really the more appropriate word, but right. uh, agents and publishers. And literally, bottom of the ninth, shoestring catch, we got Amsterdam publishers to pick us up. Uh, early uh, January in 2022, and then by the end of the the year in 2022, the book was released, and uh, I think we're just still picking up things uh, as far as momentum and traction as far as getting the book sold, but it is a difficult process. Um, I've had a great team uh, helping me with the book, and Mm -hmm. I'll show you the cover, uh, and it's called Not a Real Enemy, The True Story of a Hungarian Jewish Man's Fight for Freedom. Wow. And Four awards. I I don't even know what to do with that. Uh, You know, that's just... The thing, I mean, I don't even have time to uh, to sit back on my laurels or whatever, scratch my scratch, my, pat myself on the back or because I'm too right. busy trying to promote the book, trying to get the message out about anti-Semitism, trying to fight the hate. But meanwhile, at least that means that uh, the book is recognized as a, as good work and important work by many sources. It's not just uh, readers giving me good reviews, giving us good reviews. It's uh, professionals, uh, professional uh, authors and, and editors that are giving us these awards. So it's a fantastic. Uh, it's a fantastic thing. Um, That's amazing. That, uh, the most recent announcement is I've been asked to do a two-day book signing at the U.S. Holocaust Museum in Washington D.C. in April, and I'm so excited about that. Wow. I didn't have a chance to absorb that, and because I've got a lot of friends in D.C., my right. dad, my mom, and dad have a hundred-year-old friend. He's hopefully he'll come to the book signing uh, wow. from the hometown. He's staying with you know his daughter, who's in the 70s. Super, super nice people. Right. Uh, my next door neighbor i've been in touch with her she's in the dc area her husband is a general in the us army which is really cool he's been on tv he's been on cnn uh mm-hmm. and he's helped uh construct under uh, natural disasters he's been and i'm sure he's extremely busy now with everything going on right. um, then another friend he run, He does a uh what is it the uh technology technology security of the company he does a security and uh so somebody uh, other i can't even a, a golf pro and his wife i mean so that's going to be that'll be really a cool experience. And, and that's kind of the pinnacle of what we do. And, and I, it's, I'm very blessed. I mean, I'm humble. Yeah. I don't even know what to say about that. But and I'm doing well, that's, Houston. That's, that's a
0: great thing. Such a great Houston thing.
1: To and happen. others coming too, hopefully. But uh, yeah,
0: that's amazing. When is that going to be for you?
1: Uh, April uh, 12th and 13th. So if you're in the Washington, wow. D.C. area, please stop by, especially if you yeah. like the book, we'll sign up for you. Uh, it's not a book talk, but we did do a book talk presentation at the Illinois Holocaust Museum, my mm-hmm. hometown library, which was well received. I'm in talks with the Michigan Holocaust Museum right now, the Zeckelman Center, beautiful museum, just been refurbished, uh, Orange County in California. And I, there's a whole list of them to reach out to. And, and believe me, they're all going to get reached out to. But it takes, <laughs> I have no secretaries, I have no assistants, I have no help doing this. I, I could use two. I, I could use two literally full time to help me with social media and making the phone calls. But Slowly but surely, it's a marathon, not a sprint. We get it done, right. and still practicing a little radiology, and, uh, and that takes it cuts into my time a little bit. But it's, it's. I'm still helping people, and uh, it, it keeps you, it keeps you sharp at, at 61. I mean, so uh, no sure, complaints. Sure. Heartfelt. But you also pride.
0: have a story. You have a story you want to share as well, too. And, and you, you know, you talk a little bit about um, you know your father's history and his biography, but also, you know, you're gonna have a chance to really. Make some kind of changes, but also give a lot of information to people. I mean, that's got to make you feel a little good to know that you're taking this part of history, your family history, and be able to share it with the world. Like, is there any hesitation you have with doing
1: that? Or anything that you? No, I mean, it's a little scary. I mean, I could be a tar—I could be a target of haters. You know, whether it's supremacists or. but if they, if they just read the book or if, if God willing, right. it becomes a movie and people see this movie, like Schindler's List or The Diary, the Diary of Anne Frank. Nobody who knew that knew they were 20, 30, 40 years ago. Maybe Anne Frank, but Schindler more recently with the movie. So, And everybody in the radio right. says it should be. I mean, we're talking about a guy who escaped four times, twice from Nazi Hungary, right. twice from Communist Hungary, and a little yeah. story in there where he missed an escape during Communist Hungary, went to the wrong train station, felt like he was the unluckiest guy in the world, and it turns out everybody who made that train – the right train got arrested for trying to escape, including wow. his medical school uh, classmate. So, you know, as as they were saying, the Sopranos, the luck on this guy, you know, so <laughs> my dad and many, many other miracles, hiding places, you know, wearing women's clothes, cloak and dagger stories, arguing with armed Russian soldiers. I mean, he was brain and guts, no fisticuffs, no guns, no knives. Right. Uh, the paramilitary, when they were in forced labor camp, the Jews were thought unworthy of fighting for Hungary or for Nazi Germany. So they were that uh, you were either killed or tortured or imprisoned, or you were in these forced labor camps like my dad and his best friend, Frank and his other friend, Mike, yeah. which ended up saving their lives in the end, because even though it was uh, brutal duty and very, very harrowing uh, in the end, that saved their lives from, uh, by being away and, and being uh, what they called useful. So really, really sad and unfortunate, but they got shot at by Russian planes and beaten by the guards and urinated on and, and many, many, many forms of torture that, uh, that's okay. another lesson that I bring up, you know, from time to time is that the the recurring theme here is that people find more and more ways to torture each other, to injure each other, to maim, to kill, mm-hmm. uh, to, to commit malfeasance. I mean, just talk about security codes or whatever, passwords. Why do we have passwords? We have 100 passwords each, right? Why? Because people are trying to steal from us. Better than trying to kill me, but it's ridiculous that uh, we have to fight off. And you know about social media and malfeasance, too. So not that oh, that, that yeah. was problem back then, because back then the witnesses were the next victims, uh, as you know. So there were no cell phones, there were no lawyers, there was no tribunal or or judge and jury. Uh, And in fact, the government and the police were not your friends. In fact, they were your your bitter enemies. Uh, The uh, Arrow Cross police, for example, the Hungarians treated the Jews worse than the the Nazis did. So in some Mm. cases, so it it just, the ugliness went on and on and on uh, unhindered, you know, without, without uh, hesitation. And finally it ended after the war ended. So. Uh, another point I want to bring up that I that I don't get to all the time is that if the United States had invaded and won in Hungary rather than the Soviets, we wouldn't be here having this discussion. I'd probably be living in a free country called Hungary, and the, the, the government and the, the social climate would probably be a completely different animal than it has been uh, for the past uh, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Um, I've been invited to go there because it's the 80th anniversary of the liberation of Jure, my dad's hometown, but I'm a little scared right. too because... The, the guy, the Orban, the, the leader there, they call him like a Putin light or he's a Putin puppet. And it scares me a little to walk in there with a book that's uh, putting down the Hungarian government, even though it's not the current Hungarian government. It's it's a government that was there. And uh, my parents went back to visit a few times and, and I went back with them uh, under a communist Hungary many, many years ago. But uh, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of my play with that. I mean, and I would love to go back for that reunion. But uh, they say Hungary may not be such a great market to tap as far as selling the book, even though someday it'd be great to get it translated into Hungarian that's a whole other hours discussion is getting the book translated oh. in other countries, of course, but it's all part of the process.
0: And what do you think is one of the main things that um, is really, you know, what are we really facing nowadays in this world? We, you know, we have this stuff that's happening, you know, over, you know, in Israel and this in, in different cases, but, you know, also to um conflict, you know, is it a lack of, back to my original question is just a lack of just understanding or is the lack of we just are really not trying to see both sides or we really are just about just repeating history and just keep harming each other like what is i mean what in your words what do you think is really happening that we're not progressing to the form of really becoming united in, in our nation
1: today i wish i knew the answer to that i guess the best thing i can do is try to educate people within my own little uh wheelhouse here with the book I don't understand hate I think it's it's a wasteful like jealousy it's just a wasted emotion Um, they they compared early on they compared the uh, Ukraine war to the Hungarian revolution because the Hungarian Hungarians got no help with that it was a two and a half week war it was over in bits and, and the United States wasn't about to intervene in the middle of the cold war I believe that the United States has a duty to protect its own civilians. So sure. to try to get in a full fledged war with the Soviet with the Russians now would be would be uh, ill advised. At least in my and that's what they're doing. But unfortunately, the the war lingers on and on and on. And we don't even think we don't even talk about it much anymore. We become so no. we become no, so no. Uh, immune to it. It's, it's really sad. I mean, and now it's been we're going on two years here. If I if I remember, I just heard that that's uh, it's two years and ongoing. And now the Israel thing. I mean, it's we're talking we're talking about October seventh, eighth, and ninth. Mm-hmm. Well, now, not as much, but it's awful. I mean, I think Israel will take care of their problem, but it's really sad because you're always going to have that covert hatred. Yeah, and and somebody just suggested here that uh, people that are talking bad against the United States, Jewish people, mm-hmm. and they're pro, uh, they want they want Gaza to be Gaza. They should go there if they if they want to make a change. Go run for office. Go uh, be in the military there. Whatever it, whatever it takes. Don't but don't support Hamas and Hezbollah right. and ISIS. And uh, and a government like Putin's that uh, that just wants to steamroll people. So um, and yeah. it was the same. You know the the names are different, the, the the dates are different, but the song remains the same. I mean, it's just it's really sad. So my job in my little corner and other uh, Holocaust authors, which Amsterdam uh, Publishers is all they do is uh, other wonderful authors and great books uh, from all around the world, and a big range of authors too, from a teenager to a hundred year old author, hundred and two maybe, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So they're all trying to give the same message. We're all doing book talks. Uh, We're trying to do book signings, uh, podcasts like this, which thank you very much again. It's very important. Mm -hmm. If I get five book sales from this podcast, I I will have done my job. You'll get five readers that will see this amazing book. They'll say, oh, my God, they'll put themselves into my dad's place and say, maybe I can do something to change things. And uh, I do want the book to be taught in the classroom. Uh, It's on the shelves at the Tufts University bookstore, I'm, I'm proud to say. Uh, oh, I met the Tufts president recently and gave him a copy of the book. I've donated 200 books to Yad Vashem, the, the Holocaust Museum in Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the U.S. Holocaust Museum has it on, on sale, of course, and uh, featuring me with the book signing, which is unbelievable. The Illinois Holocaust Museum. And I've donated to uh, the, the, the Museum of History in London, the Holocaust Museum in Johannesburg, uh, South Africa. Uh, that was uh, an adventure, just getting the book into the building there. So. Uh, And then uh, ultimately, yeah, in the classroom. I don't know about high school. It'd be great summer reading, I suppose, for high school, but it's because it's a 400 page book. But college classes, uh, yeshiva schools, Holocaust education, history professors. My co-author is Gung Ho on uh, reaching out to them with postcards and emails. And we're going to do that. It's part of the list. There's so much to do. There's just so much to do. And and, uh, for now, I'm doing these talks and podcasts and uh, book signings. I don't say no to any invitations. Uh, If you invite me, if you like the book and, you know, I fly to California, Colorado. Uh, the last podcast I did was a gentleman from Colorado. I've done mm-hmm. one from New Zealand, which is amazing. Western Canada, uh, wow. more coming. Uh, New York City is the forerunner. You're my third, or fourth uh, out of New York City, and I love it because New York City for me is an untapped market, and uh, New York City could use some education about. Uh, how, and we we haven't even talked about nine one one. Holocaust deniers are now these kids protesting in colleges, mm-hmm. and they don't even know they're denying nine one one. Some of them weren't born yet. Well, I got to remind these kids, 911 was American targets. It wasn't Jewish targets. It was right. Muslims died, uh, Jewish people, Christians, uh, many people, Asians. Um, and on that note, my friends and myself, I, I'm friends with, I have more Christian friends than Jewish friends. I have Asian friends, I have Hawaiian friends, uh, people from India, my, one of my best friends from college, uh, uh, Saki, he's Muslim. He came to me, he came with me in Arizona to do a, a talk at a Greek Orthodox church. One of my uh-huh. best friends from high school is the par is the priest there, and my guy, my assistant, is Muslim, and so we got a, J- a Jewish guy and a Muslim in a Greek Orthodox church talking about my book. And we need more of that because that audience was unbelievable. We had kids, we had adults, and a high school kid read the book after my talk, and and he wrote a nice review about it. And that that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to do. It's not going to be everybody. Unfortunately, ninety eight ninety nine percent of people I'd say have this normal uh, this normal sense of. Uh, of morale, morals, and, and scruples, and ethics, but it's this one or two percent that uh, it's always one guy who ruins it for everything, for yeah, everybody.
0: That's and good I mean, I think that's good because I think the problem, you know, you are hitting it right there, is that we we don't allow ourselves to get out of our norms or our sense of level of understanding. And I think it's, just, and a lot of it is because it's scary. I think a lot of it is the unknown. And I and I, and I am one hundred percent been victim to that because, and, and this is why one of the things I want to do with my podcast and my show was that you want to have awareness, you know, it may not be everything I understand. It may not be everything I, I'm going to fully either want to accept or, or, you know, be a part of, but I think it's the fact that you take the time to take the education in and to learn something that goes a little much further. And we have to get better about being more open with ourselves and being more open with, with the uncomfortableness of, of, of life. Um, you know, and I think a lot of times I have a lot of Jewish friends I grew up with. You know, um, I was NYU, you know, so I've been
1: York, you know, so yeah. it was learning. Give me, a, give me a book talk there. You know any professors there? <laughs> yeah, <dump>, actually, <laughs> yeah. I know, see, at NYU. I, I interviewed yeah. at NYU for ophthalmology. That was actually my first choice. So, yeah, I had disappointments in my life too. I actually originally wanted to be an eye doctor, but I I couldn't I get know. in. It was so competitive. I mean, so it's that was like a big trauma for me. But it worked out because I love radiology. I love what I do. Yeah. But-
0: but it's like yeah. you know those things where it's like you you grow you're around the culture you're around the aspect of it and it's and it's it's sad to hear these stories of how this has gone on like the, the hate that's out there and it's just like why would you hate someone for being someone different like why would you go through that I mean as you said mentioned earlier it's a wasteful thing you know and it just shows a lot of in levels and insecurities that you probably have within yourselves which is what I I believe a lot of this shit is halftime but it's just sad that people don't take the time to just Back there in and listen. And and then be okay to agree to disagree. That's one of the I, things we know. You know, like disagree or disagree. Okay, you've said your point. I understand that. Thank you so much. Okay. And and I mean I might
1: agree with that, but it's fine. We move on. No, we raise a family. <laughs> we we work. We we yeah. do you know, we give back to the community. We yeah. want to feed our we wanna feed our children and, and teach our Absolutely. children and grandchildren. That's and that's yeah. my other thing is the grandkids. You know, I hope my uh, grandkids, my step grandkids keep the lesson going. Even though they don't, you know, they don't read much about the Holocaust, but they yeah. two of the kids I've got two stepdaughters and three step granddaughters. Two of them have already been to the Holocaust Museum, sending me photos of them holding the book and telling the staff about me. And here I am, a couple months later, I'm going to meet the staff myself. And uh, I bet yeah, you, if that. I know one of the kids, Jen, she'll probably show up for the book signing because she's just like that. I mean, she's wonderful. So I've got these great kids, and I agree. And I, I was going to ask you about New York City because it was kind of a mess. They had the the prayers, all these massive prayers, and and like Times Square and You know, it's fine. Freedom of religion, I believe in. But, you know, I pray every Saturday, but I pray at home or, you know, I'll go to the temple or whatever. I pray at the appropriate place. I don't need to. It's not like it's the Wailing Wall. I mean, the Wailing Wall is a place for prayer, (laughs) Uh, Jews, Christians and otherwise. I mean, but traditionally Jewish, but it doesn't have to be the Eastern Wall. I mean, the Wailing or the Western Wall, I should say. Yeah. Um, for example, but, you know, if I'm going to Times Square, if I'm a visitor and I'm going to be in New York City, too, by the way, I'd, I'd like to meet you. Maybe that would be nice if we could yeah, yeah. get a coffee uh-huh. or some lunch. I'll be there uh-huh. for a few days with uh, Amsterdam Publishers uh, Soiree, a little get together, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I, I don't want to go to Times Square and see all these thousands and thousands of people protesting or praying or whatever. I want to go there to, you know, to go to TGI Fridays or catch a play or a or a, or a concert <laughs> that's or that's something. Fine. Right. I mean, I'm not. I'm not there for
0: all of that. I mean, so I think I think people take the level of protest, and it's nothing against protest, nothing against activism. I think you're allowed to have your voice and your opinion. I have nothing against that, but it gets to a point where, it, well, how to put it this way, there's a time and place for those things, and I think doing them in certain areas, what do you really get out of that? People are don't. If you're a New Yorker, I'm gonna be honest with you. If you're a New Yorker, real New Yorker, you, you don't like Times Square. It's probably the last place you want not even go to in the first place. Of course, of course. Oh. It's like if you're trying to get the message out to a lot of people, I don't understand how over the years they don't understand this. And no one's going to Times Square to do that. I used to work in Times Square, and trust me, it's the worst place in the world. Yeah, if you're a tourist, it's good to see it. Go visit it. Go hang out there, whatever. Like go to TGI Fridays at Olive Garden or watch the top ball drop, whatever. But there's not a place that you purposely want to go to every day. So just find other places to have, you know, your discussions or – I remember last time they had a protest in my neighborhood. I'm in Chelsea. They did it on bikes. And I'm like, okay, great. Well, you do it on bikes. You're moving. You're you're having a message you're in a different part of town. You are learning something new, and it's it's different. But to sit in Times Square and do it, I'm like, but what's
1: okay? You know, I agree. Well, you know, I, I don't know what you know what's going on in Gaza. Or Hamas. We can, we must not lose sight. There's two terrorist acts. People were raped. They were killed. Maimed. Yeah. Tortured. Yeah. Uh, still with hostages. I believe. I don't know what the numbers are, but when we say numbers, you know, numbers are one is too many, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. a, like Absolutely. one person reading my book is enough. 10,000 is better. And one is too many. 10,000 is worse. If you're of course. About murder. I mean, what does that have to do with a guy like you or me? I mean, Why why, why would I be? I, it's got nothing to do with me. I, I'm not living there. I'm not uh, protesting. I'm, I'm not no. uh, people within. People can change their own government. Uh, one of the mucky mucks from the Hamas came, actually had some reasonable things to say. How horrible the, everything that happened could have been avoided and, and should have been. And yeah. And then I've just been reading that people suggest this guy should run for governor of Gaza or president, whatever the whatever the high office is and, and settle things down. And, uh, you know, and the terrorists scare me. I mean, because they're coming through the borders, too. They're in oh, Canada, the United States. And who knows when we're going to get hit again? I mean, I mean,
0: I live in New York City, so God knows what can happen here. On any it's day unbelievable. They, they've, got this,
1: they've got this fetish about, you know, planes and, and big mm-hmm. populated areas. And yeah. uh, New York is the classic. Uh, everybody wants to hit Gotham, you know. Uh, where's our Batman and Robin when we need him and our Superman? When well, we need him. I'm going to so, start on that one, because apparently Batman's not doing a good job if they keeps having to Gotham
0: every freaking five seconds. But I digress on that level.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> that I means. agree. No, I agree. And I, I feel the same way about Miami. I mean, I mean I'm near Fort Lauderdale, Miami here, and it's beautiful. Yeah. I, I'd love to go there every day, go to the beach, and you know, have a couple sure. of cocktails and look at the girls and then put uh-huh. on the golf course in the morning, whatever. And I'm not doing that because it's, uh, it's wonderful, but I just don't have the... The inkling but that's what you sing about time when you say that about uh times square but i do look forward to the new york trip partly to meet all these other wonderful authors partly no, to see their friends in new york pe- meet yeah. people like you if possible and yeah. uh and just uh, enjoy the city while i can i'm actually not flying up on the 11th because uh yeah i'm, 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 yeah. I'm coming another yeah. day but uh but i'm leaving yeah. on the 13th which is funny okay. i'm going back on a friday the 13th I'm, i actually I'm, it's so
0: crazy i do not fly i actually have a share of a wedding in aspen I think on the 12th of September. Yep. The 12th of September. Oh, then I'm yeah. not flying. I think I don't fly on the 11th. I know it's crazy to think about that, but I mean maybe just for myself or maybe my own kind of memories of it or just because I was supposed to go to college around that time when that happened. Like that was my generation. And so for me, it's like, I it just brings too much I as I just can't do it. I never do it. And I was in actually in Amsterdam last year just to fly back on 11th. I was like, no, I'll just
1: take another day. I just flew a later Are day. Are you after. driving? Are you driving to Colorado? Is that what you're saying? Are you? Oh god,
0: no, a no. There's no way I'm driving to Aspen from here. No, but I just refuse to fly on September 11th. So oh, ideally, oh, right. so, you know.
1: so go yeah. on the 10th or the 9th and enjoy Colorado. Right. So, I'm like,
0: I god, just skate, do those days right? instead. But it's it's something that just it's uh, the history's always here and it's always something you have to think about, and it's something that. Obviously, different generations are different, and it affects people differently, but it's just a history that you need to be aware about and know and realize, you know, this can happen again. It's not a, it's not a one-off thing that can
1: happen, you know, and we're, like I said, we're seeing that today,
0: you know, which is yeah. very sad. Well,
1: my, yeah, I agree. I mean, my slippery slope fighting this went from like this from to this. I'm now trying yeah. to climb up an icy uh, a Colorado mountain with a <laughs> yeah, no. and, and nothing but ice you know that's that's yeah. how I feel right now but we'll get it done it's a challenge uh, but that's what got to do it and uh, I'm getting more supporters and connections and I've been actually recently invited to do a, a talk uh, it's a it's a virtual it's online it's like this but it's a uh, uh, with all these uh, high these really really big Holocaust educators uh, throughout the world uh, including India and England. And I really look forward to that. I, I'd probably be a little bit nervous because uh, these are all really experts in the field. But for right. them to invite me to talk about my, to do my book talk. Uh, and it's a wonderful talk. I mean, it's a, it's about a 15, 20 minute book talk, usually well-received. and We get a lot yeah. of questions and answers just like this. Um, so a- anyway, that's another, that's a nice little accolade too. And I do want to mention well, that 10, 10% of my uh, author proceeds are going to the Holocaust Museum in DC okay. as we speak. And, and that's wow. ongoing. That's not just now. That's, you know, posthumously too, when I'm dead and it's in my trust, and uh, hopefully they get a lot of money over over the time over time. Oh, and then if, the kids, if the kids survive and it's in the trust, and the movie the book does well, it becomes a movie, or whatever, whatever the case may be, and they they get the benefit of that, which would be probably more likely to happen than during my lifetime. Although I hope I have a few more years to to. to you know to talk about my book. I'm sure you do. But, you take care of yourself. That, you, well, you never you know. Good, good graces, yeah. The good graces yeah. of God. But anyway, um, oh, so hopefully that's uh, on on and on and on, and and that's uh. That's the best I can do as far as uh, I've got my own little no. story, my parents' story. And it tells us how spoiled we are sometimes as Americans. Uh, nobody mm-hmm. wants to wait in line at McDonald's for more than five minutes. Uh, let I mean, I'm a New
0: Yorker. People. I don't do lines. I know exactly. It's horrible. I've gotten spoiled.
1: <laughs> London was the same way. I, I was in London. I was the, pre- pl- you know, the pleasure uh, to go to London for a uh, Jewish genealogical society meeting. I didn't think yeah. I was going to get a lot of traction. I sold like five books in five minutes, the first five minutes there but what it did get me is some connections some some uh, some contacts and some networking so it's already i've already got two talks done here in florida as a result of that meeting and hopefully more coming including holocaust museums down here so it's wow. wonderful and but london was everybody was in line i mean some restaurants you six month wait to get a reservation that kind of thing so yeah you guys don't you guys in new york you call it standing online i always love that you get a smear i had to stand online for a smear or whatever or a, or a coffee with cream. What was the cream? It was a weird thing about the cream in the coffee. I don't know, but it's always, always coffee.
0: It's always <laughs> bagels. It's always some kind of dessert. But you know, there was a funny thing I learned. There was a service here in the city that people would use. That actually, they would hire someone to wait in line for them at all these places and just show up and do that. And I'm like, God,
1: we've gone too far at this point. When it well, comes I wonder to what that. they pay them. But I mean, they probably make a nice penny. that's, that's an I mean, easy do, job. You play know, you on your phone funny. while you're. Yeah, you can play on your phone while you're waiting, but still, it's, yeah. uh, you know, but, I, it's, but that's the thing. Like, that's what we do as America. I know it's it's crazy. But I just think um, online thing is it's online is a, you know, com, it's computer work and all that, but standing online, oh, is yeah. like, you know, you're walking on people's heads. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the way you probably think about it. You're like, hmm, how does that work? I love it. Um, I hate the sports teams. I'm a Detroit fan. So I, when they beat the Yankees or the Knicks or the, the Rangers, <laughs> the original six, there you go. Yeah, uh, the Lions always play the Giants and the Jets tough, and but I mean I, I love the fa- the fact that it's such a megalopolis that you get all these sports, and you know the, the Madison Square Garden does so well, and yeah, and I've seen the Who there, I've seen a, a Pistons game there, I've seen a Red Wings game there, really cool. It's a great spot. I mean, and yeah, that's amazing. one area too. So.
0: Yeah, uh, the, well, I look forward to um, you connecting and coming here. Um, want to talk to you a little bit about the, you know, educating me a little bit on the Hungarian Revolution of 1956. You talk about how it's compared to the conflict in Ukraine. Can you tell you a little bit about how that is kind of connected, or,
1: or how you come to this conclusion on that? Well, the Hungary with the Ukraine war, well, mostly because they didn't yep. get help. I mean, mostly there was. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Ukraine, they might be getting help now, but it, it's kind of fleeting. I don't know. They just they just voted in the Senate again. About uh, funding Israel and ukraine, and I, I didn't I'm not real political, so I didn't see all the results of that. I'm yeah. not going to start the details, but it's it's just ongoing I mean Russia supposedly isn't communist, but to me it feels like a communist flair. I don't you know people can come and go out of Russia. I don't know if they can or not, but they couldn't back in back in the communist era I, I just don't feel this hostility and you know for weeks and months they were building up their their troops and and finally invading Ukraine. We saw it happen in front of in front of us and we, yeah. Could we have stopped it then? I mean, I think uh, Biden tried. I mean, but it's it's a difficult thing when people think they're I mean, all... Do you, think but they're do you also think that helping, and and this is a very controversial thing to say,
0: but do you think helping is really helping or is it just enabling? Or is it really something that's...
1: it's a great point. It's a great point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's enabling. I mean, you're prolonging the agony. I mean, by, by mm-hmm. more, you know, or you're killing people on the other side, too. And, and I remember them dragging off Russian soldiers... Uh, To go fight, and when these guys were crying, they were dragging them by their feet and their hands and their head because uh, these guys didn't want to fight. I remember in the beginning they they wanted peace. They were Russia's been peaceful for a long time, so and the United States tries to be, but uh, now we got a lot of enemies to worry about. There's Iran, there's North Korea, there's China. I wouldn't call China an enemy, but it's a you know it's a they're a yellow flag type of country. You know we talk about cyber cyber attacks and, and right. Nuclear and then chemical and uh, malfeasance. I mean, we there's so th- these countries all scare me, and I'm really no in hurry to visit any of them. But not to get off the subject, but the Russian lucky for the Hungarians that the uh, the, the Hungarian Revolution ended quickly, but not lucky because uh, you know the the Russians squashed them. It just they, it was tanks versus guns and people. You know, it wasn't uh, yeah. it wasn't a fair fight, and then communism just they, it got even more hardline. And there's stories beyond that, that my, my parents uh, got married after that in 1953. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a very harrowing story about my mom's uncle after they had a, a, an illegal Jewish wedding. So the Russians didn't treat the Hungarians any better than the Nazis did, short of corralling them into into uh, ghettos and, and crowded areas, and then to hauling them off in trains to be killed, which is what happened to my dad's parents. Uh, not exactly like that, but I witnessed uh, testimony about what happened to my dad's parents at Auschwitz. And uh, so wow. that I'm going out of the Hungarian revolution because it's a short part of the, of the book, but it, it is an important lesson and it's a forgotten lesson. I guess that's the other thing you bring up is uh, nobody knows about Hungary history or, you know, maybe historians do very select few. Uh, And so it brings up the story of hunger, the way that the kids protested. Uh, That's how it kind of started. There was uh, college kids and, and a lot of young, young people uh, and uh, a separatist uh, leader uh, Mm -hmm. going and it ended badly for him. They took him away and uh, apparently tortured and killed uh and uh I don't know. I'm just not it's just uh and my parents, by the way, were uh, frontliners in that in the uh in the Hungarian Revolution. My dad had to double down as a surgeon, uh trauma surgeon. So he was up doing he was doing his OBGYN and mm-hmm. trauma surgery day and night for two and a half weeks. So wow. I don't know how he survived that. And and mom ran the blood bank. Mom was a medical student uh during that war and uh and she uh, she when they left in fifty six right after the war. Um, she was 13 months away from graduating medical school and she never got to go back cause she had to help support mm-hmm. my dad in Boston, unfortunately, but, uh, she was a good mom and active in the Jewish community, the medical community on and on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that war was so short and, and there was really nothing by the time we didn't have that kind of communication back in the fifties that we do now with cell phones and videos and, and, yeah. live stuff, uh, and, of course, satellite information. So we, we didn't have that kind of information. I think that was part of the problem. Maybe if the Hungarian Revolution went on for six months, a year, maybe they would have got more help from the U.S. and Britain and France. But uh, people were scared of the Russians, and I think they still are. I mean, it's it's scary when you've got a country that's got that that has the power that that can annihilate uh, many, many parts of the world in in just a matter of minutes. And And it's also sad to think that there's a chance. I mean, I don't
0: know how we feel about this now, but that, you know, a World War III, which has been talked about for many, probably decades and years since the last war, is something that can happen to the point of we are still at this level of, of of an empath of not really connecting on certain levels, but also it just gets down to a point of not getting too political. It's just like, it's just a level of power shifting. And it's, and it's kind of sad to see how we keep going back and forth. These things. I mean, I'm grateful to be an American I'm not, and I don't look at it as a non-patriotic to not want to help others and do anything else like that. But I also think that some point it's like, we, we flaunt this level of, who we are as Americans in our country. And it's like, it's almost like a, I want to be a big brother. I want to help everyone, but at the same time, I'm going to cause a lot of controversy back and forth. And you look at our last election, which really put a damper on a lot of people. I traveled the world in this aspect you did. And I don't know if this happened to you. I had a lot of people tell me, you know, I really respected America. I really did. And then you voted for that guy. And it's like, Well, I didn't vote for him. I had nothing to do with that, you know, but I said, but it shouldn't change the aspect of what it still means to be an American or what the country still stands for and how these political figures have come down. Certain people to look at them and be like, well, because of that, I've lost all sense of what America is. And that's the sad part.
1: I couldn't say say it any better. I mean, I love this country. My mom and dad did. I mean, they were actually patriotic Hungarians, not Nazi and communist Hungary, but mother Hungary yeah patriotic to israel and patriotic to the united states uh, all the way this was by far their number one choice to my mother's mother already lived in israel at the end of the hungarian revolution and with the stepfather they were divorced to save their family name they just divorced and separated and lived in different parts of the world just to help save the family if, if you can believe that uh, yeah. talk about a reason to get a divorce anyway all wonderful people I, I met them all as a kid they kind of died too young probably all in their 60s but uh um yeah, they invited them to come to Israel to live instead of the United States. And, mom and D- the Sinai War was going on at the same time in 56. And uh, um, and my mom and dad said, no, two wars was enough. We don't. They loved Israel, but this- they wanted to live in the yeah. United States where they felt more secure. Yeah. Oh, all right, and so the Sinai- you brought up something I haven't mentioned ever in a podcast. So I'm going to say something. The, the the guys that were the guys that were in the tanks in the Hungarian Revolution are uh, were, were not Russians. They were not native Russians. They were from uh, other parts of Asia. Um, hmm. Like Tibet and Nepal. And so they when they were in Hungary, they thought they were fighting the Sinai War. My my dad wow. recants that. And that, that is in the book. These poor guys, they thought they were in the, the Middle East and they were in Hungary fighting. Can you believe that? So, no way. Talk about talk about not telling your guys what to do and where you're at. I mean, can you imagine a general not telling his colonels, uh, you know, so.
0: Yeah, um, I feel the, like we happens in our government all the time. But well, of course, who,
1: no. Nah, I mean, no, no government's perfect. But yeah, no. look, we could cut. I'm not going to blame anything on any one guy because there, there's a staff. We have a of Senate. Course. We have a. We have a Congress. But do of we need course. that many people? Do we need 400? Some no. We could cut Absolutely that in half. You know. No. Um, the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. I just keep thinking of the senators. You know, the senators were the ones that were wise. But how many did they have? You know, maybe 25. I don't know Roman history that well, but uh, how many yeah. did they actually have to to govern the people? Of course, the population wasn't uh, – what do we have now in America? 300, 350 million people, something like that. Something around there, yeah. So well, I don't crazy. know. Because a, a governor from Alaska is not going to be able to think like a guy from New York City, you know. And a I guy from not. Pennsylvania, from suburban Pennsylvania, doesn't think like a guy from Los Angeles, California. You know, it's not – yeah. you know, the people that run – like I thought Giuliani might have been a good – you know, he, he, for whatever reason, he was really outvoted, but I thought he would have been a decent candidate. And, uh, I'm not, I'm kind of a little right of center if I have to be any political. I I like reasonable politics. I like responsibility, you know, spending, especially because that's another thing. If we cut the government in half, the spending might get curtailed. And, Never mind our thirty trillion dollar and counting debt that we have our national debt. We <laughs> need enough. more fiscal responsibility. We, we need more responsibility at the borders. The borders is a dangerous thing for the United States right now.
0: Absolutely. Um, oh I don't blame
1: people from wanting to flee. My parents fled from war and war torn country, but you know the people are. But uh, they got to do like my parents and, and do it the right way. You know, get get. Yeah. Try to learn the language as best as you can, and uh, and at least get your citizenship and work and, and and live responsibly, not not raise the crime rate or what you know whatever's going on. So. Yeah. Uh, the New yeah. York City crime rate, I understand, is going way up. So uh, that's sort of a – there's probably a magnet for people that are looking for work and don't have any idea where to go and they're not sure which yeah. city to be in. I think New York City is uh, – and uh, if you can't speak English, that's okay too because if, as long as you communicate and you can do your job without having to speak English, that's fine. Right, I mean, uh, exactly. You know, uh, pay your bills, pay your taxes, uh, health care costs. We don't even talk about healthcare costs, legal costs. Oh. I mean, it's on and on. I did jury duty. I got, I got out of it because of this book. So I got to pitch the whole courtroom, including the lawyer, the cute, uh, the prosecuting attorney. She was cute and pregnant. (laughs) Yeah. Forget. And uh, but uh, no, I pitched the book and I said I I wanted to say more about the courtroom. And and I said, this courtroom is cleaner than the hospitals I've worked at. I mean, it's so (laughs) it's so pristine. And they've got 30 or 40 different courts and prisoners coming in and out and jurors and talking about the costs of retrial. And I'm like, the cost of retrial. What about just the cost of this whole legal process anyway? Of course. They they didn't have that in Hungary, unfortunately. I mean, fortunately, in the United States, we still have that. So uh, it was actually a murder trial, and and I got out. I I don't remember the guy's name. I felt badly. Probably a guy my age, maybe a little younger. And, you know, he may have been guilty. He may have been innocent. And this is one I wanted to say. In the end, there was a guy that was dead. And that's the the bottom line. That's the sad part. Whether the Russians did it, we did it. Whether it was the guy that did it or somebody else framed him. I mean, it's still somebody died, and they they died too young. And for whatever reason, uh, you know, nobody really has the right to tell me or you how to practice your religion or how long you get to live, mm-hmm. or where you get to work or don't work, which happened to the Hungarian Jews uh, between uh, World War II and the, and the Hungarian Revolution. They, they were in pretty much farms and factories. My dad was intelligent, fortunately, and there was a 10 percent quota for medical to get into medical school. And they right. were short doctors, badly short of doctors because of all the homicide, because of all the, the genocide uh, in World War II. So my dad got to go back to medical school by finally. By that route, so and yeah. he was out of high school for a while because he was Jewish, and he got kicked off his swim team because he was Jewish. So, um, and then they had a legal Jewish wedding, and I don't want to tell you the harrowing story, but when you hit when the but the, my mom's uncle, it's awful. They they couldn't even have a Jewish wedding. They had wow. they had the regular civil wedding and it was in a horrible uh, room, a horrible building, and it was just my, my my dad described it like like I said the day before, uh, which is how they wrote the story by the way in the seventies. Like everything had happened in the previous day, there, there were that much detail and that sharp, but. Anyway, that's, so yeah, the, the your, I mean, Jews here. Sure yeah. you know, there, there was the Red Terror between World War One and World War Two. Before the rise of the Nazis, there was the Red Terror. There was the White Terror. You, you, there was a Horthy. They didn't. The Jews didn't know who the people were that were leading, or what part of the world they were living in because the the countries changed so much. You know, the anatomy I call it, but it's the geography changed so much. You didn't even know what country you were in, but that you could tell that the Jews always felt that uh, how is this going to hurt me? How is this going to screw me over? You know, when am, so, when am I going to get somebody? And that brings me to my dad's escapes. You know, when he escapes in the middle of the mountains, where is he running to? You know, we're talking about the we talk about the light at the end of the tunnel. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. You don't you don't know where you're going. You don't know where your, where your house is. You know, you don't even know if you can go back to your house because uh, they're still under they're still a uh, war torn. You, you're, you're in your own town. So it he said was, he did four, he said it four times. He did it four times. Escape. Yeah, twice from Nazi Hungary. So forced labor camp out of the middle of nowhere. That was their first one. That's the one I remember the most. Back to when I first read my dad's book, probably 30 years ago, remembered very little. Now this time it it stuck, you know, but, uh, that that was his first one. And then they escaped uh, from Budapest. It was, it was a Hogan's heroes type, but that's the best way I can, but it it was just the timing and the precision and the luck and the skill and the brains that they used to get out. And uh, it's just uh, brilliant. I mean, so, and by now, so now the risk tolerance is going up and up and up. So, and my dad's third escape—he was in a medical—he was in medical school, and he got out, and he—he—he he, he made it. He made it to Austria, but he—he he was worried about fear of reprisal if he got caught, and so he turned—he turned back on his own, went to Budapest. He was on call the next night, and nobody even knew he was gone. And then finally, their fourth escape was uh, pretty harrowing too. When my mom and dad uh, left Hungary in '56, uh, you'd wow. be surprised who would help them escape, and you'd be surprised what some of the people would say in anti-Semitic anti-Semitic remarks while they're helping Jewish people escape. A, a war-torn country, you know, so it's, it's just unbelievable. I mean, so, and my dad, believe me, he was chomping at the bit, wanted to argue with these guys, but, you know, you don't bite the hand you. The You're These guys wow. are helping you escape the country. But can you imagine that? I mean, uh, so. That's crazy. So, yeah, oh. it's all, and then the fact about fitting in or not, uh, because my dad wasn't Orthodox enough, so he didn't fit in. Uh, yeah. He didn't fit in as a kid because he wasn't Orthodox or he was Jewish or there's so many, uh, just so many different little twists and turns in it. And that's that's that was the motivation for doing this book is it the, the message was clear from page one. And you, you just you, you go with it and you empathize with my dad before the end of the book. You're you're in his shoe steps. You, you feel like and uh, that's a big lesson is what happened to my dad could happen to any one of us. We've talked about war, World War Three, God forbid, on American soil. Yeah. It could be a bad neighbor. It could be a bad uh, business deal, bad federal government, lo- local government, a bad foreign government that can change you know, a natural disaster. Anything like that could change yours in my life. Where you're, you know, scrounging for food, looking for a place to live, looking for a place to hide, and yeah, uh, absolutely. and uh, with or without people chasing you, you know. So uh, we've all seen Escape from New York, I guess. Maybe you weren't around then. When that remember that movie? It was, uh, no, yeah. but I did go back and watch it. It was very interesting. I watched it. Yeah, no, no, it it's, a- I don't a- I barely remember, but I remember the gist of it. You know, all the yeah, was all the prisoners in the country were where they were they were uh, put onto uh, Manhattan Island, if I remember correctly. Which yeah, uh, that's not <laughs> that doesn't no. seem to appealing either. So.
0: Now, Rob, where can everyone get your book at? Now, is it has already been released, right? And so, is it's there like an Amazon? Out. Is it
1: Kindle? Where? Yep, yeah, 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 all of it. Amazon's the easiest. Uh, and okay. You can you can write me. You can email me. Well, you can write me at my at my my. my i got a website which is robertjwolfmd.com If you want to learn okay. more about the Hungarian Revolution, more about the history of Hung- Hungarian jewelry and Hungary in uh, yeah. uh, in uh, Nazi Hungary, and then. Um, so that's the website, robertjwolfmd.com. The book is on Amazon. It's, okay. You can get it at Barnes & Noble online. You can go to any Barnes & Noble store and ask for it. It is on okay. sale at probably 15 or 20 Barnes & Noble stores throughout the country, including California, okay. Massachusetts, Tufts University. Like I said, that's a Barnes & Noble uh, representative, Massachusetts, another one uh, floor, here in Florida. Uh, so it's available. But if it's not, you can ask. You can have it emailed. You can have it mailed to you, You know, just like you would through Amazon, or you Perfect. can go back to the store and pick it up. Uh, it's also uh, Walmart. You can buy it at Walmart. And uh, the book is on sale at the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum, uh, where I'll be doing the book signing in April. Uh, yeah. And also the Illinois Illinois Holocaust uh, Museum and Education Center, which uh, we did an amazing presentation uh, last fall. We did a little talk and a fireside chat and a question and answer and a book signing. It was so well received. We closed the place. I mean, people didn't oh, want to really? leave so, lots That's of questions amazing. and, and uh, terrific audience. Uh, next door neighbor was there. And my mom's parents, my mom and dad's One of their best friends, a Hungarian Jew also from Michigan, now in Colorado, her daughter lives in Illinois. She was there at that. And then my one my Michigan. I mean, I knew everybody in the building It was unbelievable. So that that kind of that's what makes your day. That's what makes this whole thing worth it. Is that that kind of absolutely people were talking about it for weeks after the talk and the the get togethers and just the the camaraderie. Joy, doing a
0: podcast at home, you have to do daily laundry and everything else goes off at once.
1: I'm, I'm with you, my friend. You know, I miss my team. I miss my team. I'm here alone right now. I, I got a lot of friends here, but, uh, and all over the country, but not, you know, they're not going to help me with my laundry.
0: Unfortunately, not, not, the We still got to do everything else on our own. We still got to make these things happen. Um, well, Robert, this was amazing. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us. Um, I'm going to put links in the podcast so we can get to your website, where they can purchase the book. Um, Best of luck to you um, in D.C. and yeah, if you're in New York, please feel free to hit me up. And well, I appreciate love it. To have you on again in the future. We have obviously election coming up, so I have a lot of panels coming up later on this year. So it will be very interesting what's going to happen back in November. Well, so, I, you
1: know, I don't even know. I don't even know who to vote for. I mean, I don't even know. I, who I, would, I, 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 mean, I think I you, Robert, are in line with a lot of people in this world today. So, yeah, it's, it's so it's so sad. I alone. mean, what, again, in 300 I million people, we can't find one person and. It doesn't have to be a guy. It could be. I wouldn't take a gold in my air. I would take a Margaret uh, Thatcher. I would take yeah, Indira Gandhi. Yeah. Fantastic uh, leaders, unbelievable. But uh, Hillary, uh, a lot of people loved Hillary, but a lot of people didn't. You know, a lot of people love Trump. A lot of people <laughs> no. didn't. A lot of people love Biden. A lot of people don't. I don't know. A little too old for me. I, I think a younger guy, Dak, I would be one thing. A guy that somebody or a girl. I 100 percent agree with you. I'm very scared. What's going on? He someone older, and I'm out of ages.
0: I, I love my older generation, but I do worry at certain points. Being a president is not a stress free job. I mean, very stressful it, job. It's, it's a very stressful job. And you're going to put him through this for another four, if, if it is Biden, another four years. I'm sadly concerned of if he's going to like be able to make it.
1: I don't think that's- so. I don't think he's going to be the representative. But this is what I hear. This is what I hear when I hear the little political tidbits. I don't get all into it. It's just like yeah. the NFL. You know, I don't care about the preseason and the draft. I just, when, <laughs> once they're on the field, that's when I care. You know, when the Lions are playing the yeah. Giants or the Jets or whatever, uh, LA teams, I love when they beat up on LA when they can, which uh, they did. They were that close to making it to the Super Bowl, that close. So, but anyway, yeah. I have to digress. But yeah, I, I like what's on the field. Let's see. Um, you know, Trump, see what first, Trump was enthusiastic and things were going good, but I, he got screwed a little bit with the COVID. I don't, I think that, and then that brings up to the, the topic of scapegoats, you know, 9 Muslims were scapegoats, uh, COVID, yep. the Asians yeah. were scapegoats and it was, it was uh, uh, indiscriminate and it's just, yeah. that, that's where the education comes into, you know, what's the difference Absolutely. between a Hungarian, a Romanian, a, Lithu- a Lithuanian, a Czechoslovakian. I, I mean, I don't even know the answer to all that, but I, I can, I know a little, but I know about yeah. my, my corner in Hungary and, and, uh, and my parents, by the way, love to meet people from all over the world. They love to travel. They love history. They were Holocaust educators. They had me educated. They were all over the world. They, they stayed in touch with people from Africa, India, Asia, and both in the United States and, and abroad. And, and that's the lesson, too. They, they always wanted to learn about other people's lives and their histories. Absolutely. And that's uh, how it
0: should be. That's how we should be doing. That's
1: what that's we're what doing here. We're going You're to be
0: learning new... more people, learning backgrounds, learning different ways of life. It's just what we should be doing. We should be, I would be honored
1: to be a guest again on your on your thing if you want to reach out or I know you're probably busy. Uh um, yeah. I've been running out of matches lately but I've been filled the schedule's still filled up so that's good. But yeah. uh yeah, a couple months uh, maybe after the election or a couple more book talks or signings or Absolutely. You know, that would be uh, I'd be most honored. Really. I mean that's
0: uh, great. Well, Robert, thank you. Like I said, thank you again. It's been a pleasure talking with you, and I wish you all the best, and all the best Assess to come forward to you. I'm going to add your book to my list. I, I now have a cultivating list of books I need to work on. I'm a very bad reader, but I need to get better about
1: it. But I'm
0: really intrigued by this story. It sounds really, good. I really feel like
1: this one, I, I'm sure. And yeah. hope, I hope your audience, I hope you have a far-reaching audience. I'd love to get a talk or two in New York City eventually. Yeah. The books on. The book is available in the Long Island library system, I hear. So I don't know how many oh. libraries but it's in the Long Island library system now okay. so somebody reached out about that so there we go. Say, well where's manhattan and brooklyn you know we're always a little bit we want a little <laughs> bit more but i'm happy to hear i'm happy that somebody's reading the book and, get, and getting the message and uh, that's amazing know, i've been reaching out to a lot of people for 6 years and now i'm starting to get it back where holocaust educators are reaching to me and trying to connect with me and i and i'm doing this big talk with that coming up with that and hopefully that's a nice springboard for a, a lot more education and that's yeah. that's the I word love that. i love that All right, Robert, thank you again
0: for joining us. God bless you. God bless you. you.
1: Next time we'll talk about the painting, the painting, the the book in the background.
0: Yes, everything else. I love it. More education, more no. Thank
1: Thank you so much. All right. You keep that Big Apple safe for me, huh? I definitely will. All right. Take care, bro. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye.